0: Hello and welcome to the Grapeseed Official Podcast. We have a new format for you today. Friend of the show Miklos is back for another deep conversation about grapeseed. If you haven't felt it before, Miklos is very passionate about our curriculum and how it can change lives. I thought it would be a good idea to have him on semi-regularly to talk about various topics, a little of this and a little of that. So appropriately, this series with him will be called This and That. When he has been on in the past, I have mentioned his role of grapeseed evangelist someone who talks to school managers and parents about our curriculum, inspiring them to give their kids the gift of English. In those discussions, Miklos gets a lot of different questions from parents asking about grapeseed, how it works, and what they can do to help their kids be successful. Sometimes these questions are simple and easy to answer, like what is an action activity? But sometimes a question from a parent can hide a deeper question or misunderstanding they may have. In your roles as teachers, you may get asked a question like this from parents. In this episode, we will talk about some examples and discuss the deeper concerns parents might have that go deeper than those questions. Hopefully, this discussion will help deepen your own understanding of grapeseed so you can be a more effective teacher and you can be more prepared to answer questions like these. So, Miklos, welcome back to the podcast, by the way.
1: Thank you again for having me. I am excited to talk about this and some of that. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yes.
0: Actually, recently we had Bruno on the podcast, too, your former co-worker.
1: No, he told me about it. He said it was, uh, he said he had never been on a podcast before, and um, yeah, he said it was great. I can't wait to hear the episode.
0: Yes. All right. It will be coming out soon. For those of you listening, you've probably already heard it, but we're recording this a little bit in advance. So let's start here with the first question. So a lot of parents ask something like, when will my child start speaking? So let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, that's
1: uh, it, that's a question I get all the time from parents here in Japan, and I I don't know how to answer that because nobody can answer that. Uh, f- take for example your your first language, your mother tongue. When do you start speaking your native language? Is it it's not decided, right? Everyone speaks. A, my nephew didn't start talking until till pretty late. Um, my, my oldest son started speaking fairly early, but I think it's just because he has a lot of, a lot of input, uh, from me. Um, but it's, there are so many factors that decide when a person starts speaking their native language, much less, uh, another language. And it depends on things like, do you have something to say? Uh, are you, are you, um, are you an outgoing kind of person, or are you a naturally shy person? Um, do, are there other factors? You might live in a in a super noisy environment. You might live in a very quiet environment, or out in the country, or maybe you have siblings, and maybe you don't. Um, there are so many things. So when when parents ask me that question, I have questions for them because I want to make sure to a- answer their question, the real question they're asking. And to me, so what is the real question? Yeah, exactly. The real question usually is. Um, when, when can I see the result of the effort and resources I'm putting into my child's education? Mm. And, uh, and that's, that's a super important question. That's every, every parent wants to see their child be successful and happy. And, uh, and in many cases, um, pass tests and get good scores so they can get into good schools and then brag to other parents that their kids did this. Um, so, when parents ask me... Uh, or when I, when I was a teacher too, um, I would get that question they, they like when, when is my child? when is my son or my daughter gonna start speaking? Um, I as a teacher, I would generally say, well, they already do speak to me in English class in grapeseed time. Uh, have you not uh, experienced that? And oftentimes the answer will be no because kids are smart. They know that if they um, when if they're holding uh, a hammer and they have a uh, uh, a screw in front of them, that, uh, that's the wrong tool for the job. Um, they're not going to use a hammer uh, to, to try to screw in a screw. Uh, so, the same goes for language, I think. When kids go home uh, and they're in, a, in, in their home language environment and where nobody uses English, they're not going to use English either. Uh, that's just natural to them. And in many cases, kids don't even, the small children who don't even know the difference between language would be confused if you told them, hey, speak English. Um, they'll yeah. just say, what, what, "What should I say?" Or even I do this to parents a lot when I speak in front of large groups of parents here in Japan. Um, I to, to give them an idea of what it feels like. I I just all of a sudden tell parents, "Hey, uh, everybody, uh, really quick, uh, say something in English." And of course, everyone looks at me with that with that fear of death. Right? They're just mm. like, "Oh, okay." I say, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Let me let me try it a different way. Say something in Japanese." And they have the exact same reaction. Yeah. Because when someone says, "Say something," You're just like, oh, I don't know what to say. Um, so, exactly. when is my kid going to start talking? When they have something to say.
0: Basically, yeah. that's, yeah, that's the, <laughs> a good point. <laughs> we talked about, a lot about parents and their mindset as well as their motivations in Podcast 25, the deep dive on involving parents. So, yeah. if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to that because that touches on a lot of things Miklos was just talking about. So, our question here, when will my child start speaking? It might seem like the parents want you to give a specific answer, like, okay, right when we start Unit 2, my student, your students will start <laughs> speaking in English magically. But really the the deeper question behind it is, how do I know if my students are actually learning English? But that, that's the deeper question underlying here. And that's another one that you get a lot, of, right? Miklos, how can I know if my child is actually learning? Yeah. Uh,
1: when parents ask me that, then I I ask parents, do you... Know what your kids are learning, and thanks to the the parent newsletters and and often uh, proactive parents who uh, look and do the REP with their kids and engage in uh, singing songs and reading the book together or uh, watching the DVD together, using the app together. Um, parents who know what the content of the curriculum is are um, they're less likely to ask that question, I think, because they know what the, they, they know what's in it, and they can look at their child and see if their child is understanding. And uh, sometimes what, what, what the forgotten step in that equation is, uh, or in that, in that line of questioning is, does your, when, when parents ask, when's my child gonna speak, or is my child learning? My, uh, I wanna find out from the parent if they can see if their child actually understands what's happening.
0: Yeah, they, so lo- let's look at that a little bit more, mm. because that's a, that's a really good point. A lot of programs or like English conversation schools here in Japan, they'll promise that if your kid comes and studies with us, they'll pass this standardized test with this percentage chance right. or whatever. Um, so the par- to the parents, the result that they see in their child's education is a pass fail on a test, a grade, a yeah. number score, something like that. Whereas with Grapeseed, we're not geared toward A standardized test in any way so parents can't use that same benchmark that they might use for something else so it can be more tricky for parents to figure out if their students are actually learning and what you're talking about Mm. there how do parents know if their students are actually understanding the language can you talk about that a little bit more
1: yeah oh that's such a there's a lot there Um, uh, on the uh, really quickly on the note on, on standardized tests, uh, as a person who's a native English speaker but not a necess, not not a particularly good test taker, I use myself as an example all the time with parents to to help explain the, that there's a difference between the ability to communicate and passing a test, because I speak English uh, English is my native language, but I don't I would barely pass an English exam about grammar and, and structure and things like that because I'm just not a good test taker. Um, or
0: even as a second language here in Japan, they have the the JLPT, the test for foreigners to prove, quote unquote, if you understand Japanese well or not. Yeah. And I've, I've passed the top level, which according to the test, the standardized test says that I'm fluent and understand everything, but I don't. There's a lot of things I still don't understand. And if you give me a pen and, pen, uh, pen and pencil or pen and paper, as you would say, to write, I would have a lot of trouble just writing those Chinese characters down because... Because they're hard. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not tested on the test. Oh, yeah. So any standardized test, while it, it seems convenient to check for understanding, a lot of times it doesn't really fulfill the job that it that it's supposed to do. You can even... if even at taking this out of language, we can be talking about things like your driver's license test. Oh, yeah. There's People a lot pass of things. it all the
1: time they are terrible drivers.
0: Exactly. So, the the test is supposed to qualify you as a good driver or not, but any test, there there's fallibility in there. There's, there's no way they can actually prove in a very short test if you're a good driver or not. You can practice a couple different skills and show that you can do them, but... Are you really a great driver? The test can't really test for that.
1: Yeah, there's something something cheesy that I often say to parents and other and school leadership at, at places all over the country. And uh, when they say, "Well," uh, because we get that question a lot uh, along the same lines, "What uh, when when will my child start to speak English?" and um, uh, what. W- w- or what level is my child at now? Because sometimes the sometimes parents and, and, and teachers even will equate grapeseed units with level of English ability, and that's mm. and that is not to be. That is not that is not level and unit. Uh, level of ability and unit are not connected at all. Um, it's, again, if you, if you, it's saying, oh, I'm on unit 20 now, so I have this ability. Uh, no, you have this experience but your language, your communication ability is inside of you. And the cheesy thing that I often say is when people ask, oh, well, what, if my child is on unit 20, if they take this English proficiency exam, uh, which level should they take? Which level should they should they aim for to pass? And I always say, well, uh, I don't know, uh, because the test for grapeseed is life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's, and, and people people uh, have that, that reaction. And I'd say, well, it's like, it's like, your own native language. I'll ask a parent sometimes too. I, I, I usually just end up answering questions with questions because we don't have the answers. I, I can't look inside the heart and the mind of a child and and see what their innate communication ability is. And that's what grapeseed is helping to grow. We're not, we're not. Uh, granted, and proficiency tests and, and standardized exams, they have an important place in society. Uh, and a child who can develop and who has the ability to speak English will have a great advantage to pass a standardized ex- exam about about English because they'll just understand they they'll just go uh, they'll, they'll, they'll they'll choose a you know uh, an answer out of a multiple choice and someone might say oh why'd you choose that one and they'll go because that's the right answer the same way that you or I would about English, because maybe we don't know all the grammatical rules. I don't know very many grammatical rules about English, but uh, but I use a lot of English every day. And um, not always correctly, but um, but a child who has the ability to communicate has an advantage on those standard, standardized exams because they can understand the content of it. And exams really are just puzzles. They're meant to trick you. Uh, they want to see if you can pass the trick and, and then they give you the award at the end of you know pass or fail or a score. And uh, but but for a, a child who who's growing into a young adult and later and 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 going forward in life, um, their ability to communicate is their own. And there's no way to there's really no way to test for that because like t- take a take a really shy person or take someone like Helen Keller. Oh, I just thought of this right now. One of the greatest communicators of the 20th century and um, uh, and could not speak words or even hear or uh, um, took some of the most, or uh, a person like Stephen Hawking, uh, for goodness sake, like uh, who doesn't have the ability to physically uh, with their mouth communicate, but created some of the most amazing ideas that we now know. And then take, um, take any blowhardy talk show host uh, ourselves not included of course and um, <laughs> and and who communicate and spout words all day long uh, and yet have nothing really to say so now we turn toward children studying it's uh, not studying enjoying and experiencing grapeseed and they their only goal is to just express joyous thoughts and if they are doing that then they're learning and but explain that it, I, sometimes I feel it's like an emperor's new clothes kind of thing, where it's like, don't you see it? Don't you know you can't see that they're learning? I I, don't, I feel like I'm uh, sometimes. Uh under the scrutiny of parents who think i'm like a snake oil salesman because they they actually can't see it yet but when they but the parents who do see it they become our allies because they say no look yes my child is shy or my child is gregarious or my art but but they're all learning because when you set them loose in the world and then they use their ability to communicate to create ideas and new things um that 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 will be Uh, where we can see the learning but we can't it's like watching your fingernails grow we can't see it day by day but then after about a month you're like oh great i gotta cut my nails um that's sort of a gross example but uh uh i'll think of a better one later but the the um there is no destination for this the 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 joy of learning that is in grapeseed is in the daily experiences and in the new discoveries and um in the making mistakes like when my son he's Uh, speaking English and Japanese right now, but uh, when I speak with him in English, he he says things like, uh, I'm like, he's in that stage where he won't eat his food sometimes. Uh, He's kind of contrary. And I'll say, hey, uh, you know, eat your food. And he'll say, he'll turn around and kind of be all, he'll he'll say like, Papa, I eated it. And um, obviously, eated. But he, he constructed a past tense by himself based on what he knows about language so far. Did I correct him? Did I say, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, you should not say eat it, you should say ate. No, I did not. I said, oh, good job, you, you did, you ate your food. And uh, because if you, if you do that, if I did that to him, he would lose a little bit of that joy and that confidence to speak. Uh, using that tool he has. I understood what he said. I responded to it. As a, as a teacher, I sort of <laughs> re- recast for him a little bit. Um, but uh, we're not here to, I mean, I'm not here. Grapeseed isn't here to, to, to make this into some sort of, a, you know, study about English, study the structure so that you can speak it in, in this sort of, um, you know, organized kind of way. Kids will speak fluent English when they get to that point. But but along the way, we're gonna have, we're gonna sing songs and make mistakes and share ideas and sometimes not be understood and ask a question. It's like, oh, what did you say? I didn't understand that. And uh, that's where the learning is. And the more parents we can all, the more parents understand that um, and the more, it's an ongoing conversation yeah. because as kids grow, parents' questions change too. Um, so what was the question again? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, let's go back and kind of summarize because that was, that was a lot to unpack there. So basically, when parents are asking questions like how can I know if my child is actually learning mm. and when will my child starts speaking, they might be thinking in a more old school language learning way of your students, okay, if you pass a test, you are officially qualified for being a certain level, but we don't have that in grapeseed. Seed. Um, so it's directing parents as opposed to a pass-fail or a number score on a test to start noticing the subtle communicative abilities of their children, Mm. whether it's understanding the language or trying to use it to communicate with their teacher or other people in an English sense. Um, the, The easy thing that parents do often where they just say, speak English to their kids, say something in English is not really effective because, like Miklos is talking about, even if you ask somebody in their native language to say something in their native language, they don't really know what to say, so they stammer and stutter and don't really know how to answer that. So we're we're really focused on building our students' communicative abilities to the point where they'll be able to pass tests in the future because they'll inherently know if something sounds right or doesn't sound right. We're training their ears to hear and understand the language.
1: Yeah, oh, this, on Sunday, uh, just the other day, uh, I had this experience, again, this happens all the time, especially as a, as a, as a Caucasian uh, foreigner living in, in, a, in, in, in Japan. This is a common occurrence, but this happened with my son where uh, we're at this playroom. And there's some other kids there, and uh, of course, one of the d- other dads zeroes in on me, and and my son were playing, and I can see him. He, his daughter looks to be about the same age as my son, about four years old, and I can see him talking to her and looking, kind of looking over at me, and thinking, "Oh, here it comes. He's going to send her over here and try to, try to talk to me." So the the little girl comes over, and the dad's close behind, and the little girl comes up, and uh, she kind of just stands there staring at us for a second. And uh, my son looks at her like, uh, you know, uh, hi, little girl. Like, I mean, he's nice to all the boys and girls. So he just, but he's kind of just like, uh, I don't know you. What's going on here? And she's kind of looking at me weird. And then the dad, the dad comes up and he goes, oh. you know, in Japanese, he says, you know, do it, do it, say it, you speak in English, speak in English. And then uh, she, she looks at my son and she says, she goes, my name is Aki. And uh, my son just kind of looks at her like, uh, and my son's pretty gregarious, but he also. When he doesn't know somebody at first he gets a little a little nervous he's not shy he just gets a little nervous at first um so then the father so then my son doesn't say anything back and i said oh hey say say hello say hello and he looks at me like uh hello and then the father looks at me and asks asks me in japanese oh i'm sorry i I thought your son speaks english and i said back to him oh he does he's just a little nervous right now and uh and then and then the dad kept at it, like, oh, okay, uh, go over here and ca- count these things in English for, for them. And she goes, one, two, three. And my son, he can count in English, but he can't count right. <laughs> he goes, one, two, four, seven, three, two. Uh, so uh, he's getting there. But... Um, Gotta work on it. Yeah. But I was just thinking, um, but luckily the little girl is not... She seemed to have been used to it. But I get this all the time, too, where I'll be at a at a train station or somewhere and, or at the library or whatever, and some, some dad will or mom will say, oh there's a foreigner that there's, there's a, there's a Caucasian, um, you know, quote unquote American person, even though they have no idea of knowing I'm an American and, um, they just go, uh, oh God, go talk to him, go talk to him. And you know, speak in English, speak in English, go talk to him. And I'm thinking to myself, like, would you do that to like a, like a Japanese person? Like, would you just, just some random, you know, middle-aged guy just go, Oh, go talk to that guy, go talk to that guy. And when the kid doesn't, then the parent is disappointed that their kid didn't talk. And, uh, and then they think, oh, you know, the English must not be working. The English it's our class own must version be
0: version of a standardized test.
1: Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, so, and when I say this to parents, when I when I evangelize uh, 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 grapeseed to to parents all over the country, and I, I bring up this example of like, oh yeah, the uh, the parents who, who do that, uh, I get a lot of nervous laughter from parents because they're like, oh yeah, I've done that. And I say, and, the, and the, did your child talk? And and most of them is like, oh yeah, no, they were really nervous something. Like, yeah, because you're asking them to talk to a strange old guy. Um, yeah. like it 's not about the english um it 's the same thing as saying say something um but when when co- communication happens when you have something in your heart that you want to express or when you need something or or go down the list of all the uh language functions that are out there and uh but it 's not it 's not a performance uh, unless you 're performing and um, it's it 's not something that you just uh show it 's not like, like a musical instrument, you can just pick it up and go, hey, look what I can do. Um, I guess you can do that with language. But kids are confused by that because for them, language is, it's not even a thing that they're aware of it to, up to a certain point. It's just a thing that they use to get what they need, what they want, to express their feelings, to and to to, to make friends. So, uh, take the pressure off. And um, and sometimes when I tell it to parents, it takes the pressure off of parents, too. They can say, oh, wait a second. Oh, so my child can just sit back and enjoy, and sing, and, and listen to stories, and, and talk with their friends, and that's okay. And I say yes, that's what we're all here for. So yeah, yeah other than that, I have no feelings on the matter.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's think about that a l- because we're we're talking a lot about kind of mistakes parents make or false assumptions. Mm. But at the at the end of the day, what did they want? They want their child to be successful with English. They want to know that this multi-year path that we're, they're putting their students through with Grapeseed yeah. will actually amount to something because if it doesn't then they've wasted their child's time and they've wasted their yeah. money while there's while there's kind of misguided attempts to to see and check for understanding and and try to put a pass fail grade on their kid and their education the 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 feeling the motivation that is at the core of it is a very positive one. Yeah, they want their kids to be successful. So, like I'd mentioned before, we talked about this a lot in podcast twenty-five with uh, the deep dive involving parents. What can you do to, as a teacher, to help your parents see that a little bit better? Because if they see oh, yeah. that and they understand that their child is successful. Watching them communicate with their teacher in an English class, then they're more willing to be motivated to continue sending their kids to grapeseed. So we talk in that podcast about things like parent observation days, scheduling those for the end of a unit. So parents can come in, open house, watch a class where it's towards the end of the unit. So students are using the language a lot more. They're saying the story, singing the songs And parents can hear them talking with their teacher or teachers taking notes on individual things kids have said in a given day, compiling those in end of the year or end of the term reports to share with parents so that the parents can see, okay, here's actual proof. These are written date, time, my kid did this today. Yeah. And they'll feel really happy about that. So. Your parent, without any support from the teacher in that regard, parents will try to do these misguided things and try to test their kids in different ways. Raise their
1: affective filter, right? Yeah,
0: but if you do it in a smart way, you can alleviate their concerns. You can make them feel happier and more understanding about grapeseed and what their students are doing with a little bit of work on your end.
1: Yeah, there are so many ways to basically. Um, yeah, it comes down to what you just said. Uh, um, when, when, and as we all know from language acquisition um, research, when you raise the affective filter, uh, it becomes more and more difficult to, you know, to take in comprehensible input, yep. and thus your, your acquisition of language, your ability to do that, goes down. So if you're if you're stressing kids out by by uh, by testing them or saying oh uh, how do you say this in English or how do you say this in whatever or I'll oh, go talk to that strange old man uh, things like that um, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna raise the affective filter and it's gonna make it into a not nice experience and worst case scenario they want to quit and they just and they then then they, they lose the um, the, gif- the gift the yeah the joy of learning and um, but and also like you uh, with the open house. This is uh, the, there's, the open house is a is a tremendous tool. It's well, it's ubiquitous. Like every, every open house, every class, over, every, parents love to go to school and see their kids. But something happens sometimes. Kids know that their parents are there, and they change a little bit. Sometimes mm-hmm. the shy kid comes out of his shell when his mom is there. Sometimes the kid is usually kind of like a loud mouth and he's like, hey, his mom is there. He's like, oh, he kind of he clams up a little bit. Um, and then sometimes parents will come to the open house and they, they won't see the evidence of their child's ability to communicate because uh, I get this a lot. I used to have this as a teacher. I still see it when I observe open house classes now. Um, parents will ask me. I'm not even the teacher, but they'll ask me afterwards. They'll say, oh, my daughter didn't say anything during the class. I'm afraid she's not learning. And uh, to which I usually just say, have you talked to the teacher about this? Because um, that's, that's the, 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 the teacher is the only person in the world who knows uh, exactly where the children are at uh, because they spend every day with them. But uh, so I say, yeah, keep, keep that communication with the teacher as much as possible, especially if you have real concerns. Because sometimes, sometimes kids are learning and they're speaking in English and the parents just can't see it. Um, and then that teacher communication will become critical. And then sometimes kids might not actually be learning. Something's in the way. That we haven't seen. Maybe they have a um, something inside of them. They have a nervous thing that is keeping them from learning. And in that case too, we need even more teacher communication so we can help them with that. Uh, something maybe I had a. We, we've all experienced the the kid who's in your uh, K5 class whose mother just had another baby, and uh, the older sibling can sometimes have a, a very. Um, uh, a, a crazy reaction, and it'll affect their learning. Uh, I had one nice, super nice girl who, when her little brother was born, started freaking out in my class, and in all the kindergarten classes too. But uh, I was, and as a brand new teacher at the time, I, I was I was scared by it. I was like, why is this nice little girl? Why is she doing this now? And when I found out their mother had a baby, I was like, oh, I've heard about this. Um, there's so many factors. And so, when if parents come to open house and their kids don't speak that day, uh, because they're nervous, or something else is going on, or they just didn't feel like it. Um, uh, we have to also let parents know that, oh yeah, if your child didn't speak today, don't worry about it. Uh, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. Um, there are other ways to get around that. Uh, taking regular videos yeah. of your lessons. I was just going to say that. Yeah. And then if you have the skills, and everyone has this, uh, everyone has everyone has movie editing software on their Phones now uh you can literally uh but don't do it on your phone or if if you want to you can but um basically take video as often as possible and um because you, you can't just turn your camera on for five minutes and hope something amazing will happen you have to record lots of video to find the the little pearls that are hidden in the sand um so film a lot and uh, make notes about things that happen on certain days and just keep an archive and at the end of the school year or periodically every few months whenever you can. or uh, Make a little clip show of the amazing things that are happening in your class because amazing things are happening. And um, uh, and if you can't do video editing yourself, you, you probably know somebody who does. Um, uh, and uh, or or you can just go on to YouTube and, and watch a video about it. but um the the things that happen in your classroom every day um, are the, the amazing things are generally gonna happen when no one's watching. it'll be only you and you'll wish that you had filmed it because when parents come in, it changes everything. and uh, or
0: even at the yeah. very least, you can just set okay, lesson twenty nine of every unit I'm going to record the the whole lesson. And then I will talk to the school about how I can put it up online for parents to see. Um, some kind yeah. of simple policy like that. Of course, like Miklos is saying, recording every lesson all the time and going back over it is, is great to do. But even if you're strapped for time mm. or strapped for resources, doing something really simple like that, where you have maybe in a given year, so let's say you're doing five units in a year, um, you might have just three open house days throughout the entire year but then you fill in the other unit gaps so Mm -hmm. like if you have observations maybe parents come for units one three and five so two and four you then record one of the later lessons in the unit then share it with parents somehow yeah Um, more parent outreach more parent connection will help parents understand the program more and then also They'll be able to see how much their own child is learning and understanding.
1: Yeah, it's um, there are so many ways to share videos now in a secure way, and and uh, for goodness sake, check with uh, everybody in your school before yeah. you start taking yeah. videos. Yeah,
0: don't don't do this by yourself. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of I know, especially in Japan, there's a lot of issues with uh, student privacy, and there should be. Yeah. So whatever you plan on doing talk to your school, just like class management ideas. Yeah. You always want to check with your school, set up some kind of policy, some kind of system um, with your school manager and not just record video and share it with parents on your own because that's definitely not something good to do. Uh,
1: yeah, and what, there's, there's the school end of helping parents see student learning, but then there's when the kids go home, how can parents uh, see their kids' learning and growth um, on their own? Uh, like if they always need an, uh, you know uh, the the English teacher, they always need the classroom in order to see the learning. Um, that that's that, that that's one aspect. But when kids go home, they have their REP materials. Yep. Um, that when when I explain Grapeseed to parents, especially parents who are new to the curriculum or who are thinking of putting their kids in, I, I do um, a presentation about Grapeseed and I talk about REP, but I don't say REP. Or repeated exposure and practice because it doesn't make sense to anybody yet. What I call it is uh, your English environment creation tools because uh, one of the the, the foundations of this is that uh, kids need to have daily exposure uh, to English over time. I mean, uh, exposure over time. Right, mm-hmm. we, that's what we, we we can't just cram. This isn't cram school, right? Um, it's daily exposure over time. So parents, of course, they'll look at me and they say, "Oh, but Miklos, like you speaking this. Your kids can get daily exposure to English over time at any day of the week." And I say, "Yeah, and so can you because we have a tool for you that you can use and ta- we we will we'll give it to you to take home and it and it, it's uh, it's comprehensible input in in a, uh, a bunch of different shapes and forms, and it's to be used daily as you please, as uh, depending on the mood of your child or depending on on your needs and your environments and all these things. We have the app and the book and the CD and the DVD. And uh, when kids engage in those things, they are likely to have, um, in, likely to, to uh, have spontaneous output. Uh, they, they might not, uh, but if parents engage in REP with their kids, and um, and even if the parents can't speak English, most parents of grapeseed students around the world uh, don't speak English, and mm-hmm. that's fine. Uh, they, they want their kids to be able to speak English. Like you said earlier, they want them to have this new amazing skill and, and, uh, and go out there and be even more successful than they were. Um, and... Uh, but, but if you sit down with your child and just sing a song together, um, the early units, it's easy, because uh, it's easy mm-hmm. to understand, even for parents. When you get up to, like, unit 20, 25, and above, uh, parents sort of, they can't understand anymore. And uh, <clears throat> But by that time, kids, uh, they're already off and running anyway. They can already uh, speak English, to you know, to a certain extent. Um, but... Uh, when you when you sit down with your child and open the book and sing a song together, or in even in your home language, uh, you know if you want to find out if your student is learning, uh, avoid questions like "Oh, tell me what this means in our home language," uh, because translation and again and communication, and those are different skills. Yeah. yeah, right. And it's also it's confusing for kids. Um, I, I, I was just asking. I, I, was, I was asking my son the other day. Who's he's almost four years old. He's almost. He kind of gets the difference between language um, but he's right on—he's right on the cusp of it. And uh, but I—I was—he um, was speaking English with the neighbor kids who who don't speak English. Um, and I—I thought he was doing because he was trying to show off. Um, and but I wanted to find out if that's what he was doing or not. And it turns out he wasn't. He just doesn't get it yet. Like he—he he thinks that everything he, he says is understandable to everybody, which I love. But he's—he's going to find out very soon that there's a difference that some people understand these kinds of words and other people understand those kinds of words, and that there's a thing called English and a thing called Japanese. And he's heard. About it a little bit, like the neighbor kids will say, "Oh, he speaks English," and he'll come to me and say, "Papa, what's English?" and um, and I say, "Oh, that's uh, that's that's what that's what Papa says," and um, uh, that's how Papa talks in English. And he goes, he, and for him, that's good enough. He's like, "Okay, great." Um, but when when, uh, when when kids like when well for him, I thought he was showing off. And what I asked him was, I said, "Hey, um, uh, when you talk to the neighbor kids, uh, did you did you speak in English or did you speak in Japanese?" And uh, he, he looked confused. And he was like, what's, what's that, Papa? And then that's when I knew he wasn't showing off because he doesn't know the difference. Um, mm. And uh, we, we talked about it a little bit more. Just to, I wanted to make sure because if he was showing off, I wanted to talk to him about, he knows, he knows the phrase, don't show off. Um, and he knows what it means. And he knows that it's not nice to do that. Um, and that's the topic that we're talking about. We, we're speaking in English, but the topic is, <laughs> it's not nice to show off. And uh, and in Grapesy class, it's the same thing where... Um, uh, and we, we're, we're talking about things we just happen to be using English. And when kids go home and they're with their parents, if the parents can't speak English, that's okay. Um, don't ask your kids to translate. Ask your kids, if, uh, w- w- ask them what their favorite story is. Um, ask them why. Why do you like this story? Or, or can you tell? Can, can you tell Papa about this story? Because because I don't know this story yet. Um, things like that, uh, like ignite their interest and and make them feel good about understanding. And if they can't answer that, if they say, Oh, I don't I don't like any of these stories, then then you need to talk to the teacher. Or um <laughs> or if they say, Oh, uh, if, if you ask your kid um, in in your home language, um, what what is this story about? This looks really interesting. And they say, I don't know what this is about. I'm really confused. And then then you'll then you'll know. Uh, but uh, but for goodness sake again, um, that's my uh, uh, my phrase of the day. For goodness sake, um, uh, don't make your kids feel bad if they don't understand. They don't understand yet. With mm-hmm. encouragement and uh, and, uh, and, and and love and exposure, right. they will come to understand it. But it takes time. There are things in this world that I don't understand yet, even after multiple exposures. <laughs> and uh, but I'm I'm well <laughs> I'm. I, I, am technically learning on paper, um, but, uh, yeah.
0: Let's, uh, let's go to one more question here. Let's get back to our format of talking about, uh, this is that man. uh, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. We kind of went off on a tangent, but let's circle back. Let's talk about one more question and then we'll wrap up here. So one more question that you get from parents often is what if my child falls behind in ability compared to other kids?
1: Oh, so, let's yeah. unpack
0: that one a little bit.
1: Oh, yeah. that as a, as a relatively new parent myself, I'm starting to finally understand this feeling of comparing your kids to the other kids. And it's kind of a cliche in life. You see those motivational posters all the time that kind of have that message of don't compare yourself to others. Um, and it holds true here. But it, when it comes to kids learning, if, if you see your child in the class and you notice that... All, for example, in an, in an, in an extreme case, uh, as a teacher or as a parent, or maybe you're both, uh, some of you are out there, um, you'll see that all the kids on, in the class understand something and are laughing and get the joke or, or just understand something or following instructions. And there's one boy or girl who doesn't. And if you're the teacher, you, you know what to do. You go, oh, I need to, I need to help this uh, student or um, or you, you, do, you do your teacher stuff. As the parent, you start to panic. You have to always remember, I think, at least this is, this is me as a, as a former teacher um, and as, a, as an up-and-coming parent, uh, don't make your kids feel bad about something that they have no control over. Uh, I, when my son hits his little brother, uh, I, I make him feel bad about that uh, because that's something you should feel bad about if you do something bad. Basically, uh, never make kids feel bad about where they are in their in their growth. Um, but always be ready to encourage and help and notice, find out why. What are, what are they missing? What, what what is it that you don't understand? Um, and let's talk about that. And and we'll do it all together and we'll have fun and we'll laugh about it and we'll grow together.
0: Yeah. So this question being asked by parents though. So let's let's look at that question and what our parents are actually thinking. So if my child falls mm-hmm. behind an ability compared to other kids what can parents do to help bridge that gap?
1: Yes, at home, using REP. Yep, that is usually the biggest one. Um, um, not in a heavy handed way though. Like yeah, uh, sitting your kid down saying, I noticed today when I saw your open house lesson that you didn't understand the meaning of this word. You're gonna sit there and stare at it until you leave. Not like that, of course, but just when you go home and you do REP together, you're not gonna say anything about it directly, but you're gonna sit down with your son or daughter and you're gonna say, hey, you know what? I really like this story. Um, let's listen to it. Let's watch it on the DVD, and then and then either in English if you can, or in your home language if that's if that's uh, what you uh, are going to use. Um, talk about it and help build understanding. And, and and I'll be the investigator to put the puzzle pieces together to figure out how we can help you understand better. And as a parent, um, we we have to be uh, kind of like an investigator and working together with the teacher too. Find out from the teacher because uh, um, we're also biased as parents uh either for, for uh, if that's for good and bad we'll will we'll think our kids are geniuses or that they're the best but then also when they when they fail at something we'll also think that they're the biggest dunce in the class and we failed um, so we just have to have to kind of keep perspective and just talk and communicate with our kids and and support their learning and and work with the teacher and then they'll be fine. And uh, we, uh, we all have the innate ability as a human being to learn language and use language. So just let let it happen. As long as we provide the environment and the encouragement, and luckily, grapeseed is built on the joy of learning, it will happen. But we can't force it. If you you know are trying to force it, it's not going to happen. So yeah, just take it easy and have fun.
0: Yeah, so let's circle back, though, because you're you're kind of in a specific special case where you speak, you're bilingual, mm. your wife is bilingual, mm. and your kids are growing up bilingual. But for a lot of parents who are trying to give their kids English, they yeah. don't have that English ability. So that investigation ability that they might have to really poke and prod and figure out where students don't understanding might not be there. Mm. But luckily, like you were talking about before, the RAP is there to... Help create that environment. Help build understanding. In seeing many classrooms and many students around the world, I have never seen a case where students who are doing their REP and getting it daily are not under are not unable to understand what's going on in class. Exactly. That's it's. That's the whole design of we. The curriculum is designed to be understandable in class. You go home. You get exposed to that same thing in in a slightly different shape and form, like you were talking about, and it deepens your understanding. When parents say, what if my child falls behind, that's usually an indicator that they're not doing REP as much as they could be at home. Yeah. Yeah. If that's a concern, then the students are not getting enough exposure to the language, and that comes from REP at home. Yeah. Yeah so that if you get asked that as a teacher from a parent that's usually where you'd like to direct your your advice is okay well how are, how's the rap going are there certain things you can be doing and like miklos you were saying R.E.P. doesn't just have to be okay kid go put on your headphones and sit in a corner and don't bother me yeah if parents are involved with it if they're watching mr lion man together if they're mm. singing a song together especially if your kids are four and five years old when they love their parents so much and think their parents are still cool at that stage. Yeah. If you're doing things <laughs> with them... That's still cool. Then your kids will want to do REP more. But if you don't involve yourself at all as a parent and say, well, my kid needs to listen to this for an hour, so just get out of my hair... Then, of course, your student isn't going to be motivated to do REP and they're not likely no, to do it as much. So, REP is um, very important. It's not something you have a lot of control of as a teacher, but when you're communicating this to parents, it's really critical that you get across how important it is.
1: Yeah, that's, um, and, I, you know, I was just talking with a parent last week. I do a lot of online evangelizing now because of uh, the, the current the, uh, the pandemic situation. Yeah. Um, and I was having a, an online chat with a parent. And she has two boys. One is uh, one's just started grape season. Unit one. Now the older boy is in unit uh, five. And she was. Uh, she doesn't speak English. Um, and she, but she's very proactive about her kids. She wants her, her sons to to be bilingual, Not multilingual. She said. And then she I, we we talked about this exact thing you just talked about about but how important she knows how important daily rep is. And but so she said sometimes they don't want to do it. And uh, I said, okay, what do you do in those cases? And she said, well, I feel kind of embarrassed, but sometimes I give them a—I'll I'll say I'll give them a cookie if they do it. And I said, yeah, that's uh, extrinsic motivation. It, it when 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 used properly, it becomes that intrinsic motivation. Uh, but for little kids, yeah, once in a while, um, a cookie. Uh, I have to give my son chocolate to put on a suit, to take a picture. Uh, so, but one day, hopefully, he'll wear a suit uh, to, so he can get a job. And um, but um,
0: <laughs> without being um, given chocolate by yeah, you.
1: exactly. <laughs> the, uh, um, but then. Uh, she said, but on the days when they don't want to do it, what should I do? Like, what do you have any advice on that? That's another big question I get. And because REP, it can't be forced because otherwise it raises the effect of filter uh if you, if you like you said if you sit your kids down and you do like the clockwork orange thing with the you know like like holding their eyes open and everything like you know like look at this look at the dvd it's Mr. life like like um it's it's not going to be good for them um but then on the on the other hand if they don't do it that's not good for them either so what do you do and uh, well, what I talked about with this mother was um, I told her a quick story um, I'll make it shorter than it was uh, when in, in the moment um, <laughs> I, I was do. I was talking with my wife and um, and I noticed that my sons were listening to us they were getting I wasn't giving them input but they were getting it anyway because they heard what we were saying and later um, even use it and repeat it so what I told the mother was um, reP uh, is is a to be used in the same way. Um, sometimes it'll be fed directly, but sometimes it'll just be there in the background. So uh, even if, you're, if, if your sons don't feel like doing it, or even if it's not even REP time, um, Put on the CD and play it in the house. Uh, sing the song, sing along. I, was, I said, do you ever sing along with the CD? And she said, yeah, I like that blue song. And I said, yeah, everyone does. Um, and uh, so I said, yeah, put it on. Uh, if you feel like watching the DVD, and you should uh, as a parent, uh, <laughs> put it on. Have the book out. Uh, if you have a, uh, we have a stack of books, uh, you know, picture books and, and other storybooks before bedtime or before nap time. put the REP book in there as one of the choices for a bedtime story. Um have it, just have it around. It's, it is, um, it is, part, make it part of the environment. Mm. And like um, a lot of people have the TV on in your house, like, uh, or some people play music in the house all day. I mean, we had the, this is Bluetooth uh, times. So everyone's got, uh, you know, music playing in the house or the TV on or something happening. Um, have it be, have it be grapeseed. And your kids, even when they're not getting the direct, input it will be there and they will hear it and they will go oh uh making making connections that they aren't even consciously aware of they're like oh that's a song I sang with my teacher that I love so much and of course there has to be a balance you have to go okay um today we're gonna sit down and do this directly or we'll do it together or whatever it is but if you're in the car and you just you're blasting uh you know the uh, uh the green song um that's fun too so make it part of the environment and you will do your kids a huge favor and yourself as well.
0: Yeah, so circling back here, let's sum up this this question in the, in the points. What if my child falls behind in ability compared to other kids? Usually that can be addressed through recommending more REP and then advanced REP, kind of like what Miklos is talking about here, not just doing it, but also looking to have it on in a more indirect sense, living it. Yeah. it. yeah, living it. <laughs> and then also recommending that parents also take an interest in it. Um, yeah. A lot of, in a lot of countries like Japan, Korea, parents learned English when they were in school. They learned the language learning way, the not fun way like grapeseed. But this can also be a great opportunity for those parents to refresh their memory to learn English alongside their kids. So they can be if they're motivated and involved it'll help motivate their own kids as well
1: yeah i mean it goes for a lot of things right like uh um parents who <laughs> uh like it's no secret i my my uh favorite singer uh, is bob dylan and i i i listen to bob dylan's music all the time and guess what my son happens to have said that he likes recently he didn't it, uh, it wasn't Katy perry um it was he was just like he he comes to me we were in the car and I was like hey man I had like a playlist on I was like you want to listen to what kind of music you want to listen to and he just looks at me he goes pop pop uh I like Bob Dylan and I was like yeah you do and uh, <laughs> um but I I didn't I didn't tell him you have to, you have to do this you would like but he just it's just part of the environment and this is also um it's it's uh, if, <laughs> I, this is part of the reason why uh like really crummy music becomes popular because it's always on the radio and because familiarity becomes liking uh like, it beats
0: you down over time. Yeah,
1: like uh, like uh, I was... Like water eventually erodes rock as yeah, it keeps slamming against right? it. Right? It was, I guess maybe it's like a kind of Stockholm Syndrome. You just go, yeah, great, I like this now. And um, <laughs> uh, But then you, and then you hear it years later and you have this nostalgia for something that was objectively not good. <laughs> but... And, and the point being is that with grapeseed, it is good. And if we create that same kind of familiarity, it becomes liking. And, uh, but in a good way. We can use, we can use it for a positive thing, um, not, for, not for crummy, uh, nostalgic 80s music. So, yeah, there you go.
0: Let's, <laughs> let's leave it there. I don't know a better way to end the podcast than talking about 80s music. So, uh, thanks again for joining the podcast, Miklos. Thank you. If you have any questions or thoughts about Grapeseed or with respect to this podcast or really anything, make sure to send them into the show at mailcarrier at grapeseed.com. And as always, thank you for listening and good luck in the classroom. Goodbye, my friends, goodbye. I'm sad to say goodbye.
1: It was a good day, but now I will say Goodbye, my friends, goodbye Goodbye, everyone